welcome to another conversation. Today, we have Linda Edwards. She currently lives in Orlando, Florida, and her current novel, Redemption Songs, was born from a nightmare. After waking up her husband and describing the terrifying dream to him, he advised her to write it down, then rolled over and went back to sleep. His advice resulted in this novel. Like most Caribbean people, she was born a storyteller inspired by the unconventional family she comes from, incurably of her upbringing and her an island itself. My co-host, Chris Daly, will be doing the interview. So take it away, Chris. Thank you, Janice. And welcome, Linda. We're looking forward to a rich dialogue with you this evening. Thank you, Chris. I'm very happy to be here with you. Great. Um, we we haven't got to know you to your book, but our audience doesn't. So let's start by giving them a bit of your Jamaican roots. Wonderful. I was born in Mandeville, Jamaica in 1967. I went to Bel Air. My playground extended from Mandeville to the beaches and small villages of the South Coast, and then to Kingston, where I attended St. Andrew's High School for Girls. Apart from spending independence in Otterius as a teenager, I didn't spend much time on the North Coast. You know, we grew up thinking that area was just for tourists. Wonderful. So tell us a little, what, what about those childhood memories that remains precious in your heart? Well, Jamaica is where I was born. There are no greater ties than that. Eight generations of my family are buried on the island from Mandeville to Kingston. So my entire mm. history is in Jamaica. My roots are so deep in the Jamaican soil that my heart and soul will be there forever, no matter where I choose to live. Amen. As I was reading your book, you mentioned that you just developed this love for reading, and that was a gift given by your dad. Um, tell us a little about that, because I know it helps foster your writing your great writing ability here. Thank you. Um, my father once told me that when you read a book, you're never alone. There were times in my life when a book changed how I would handle a particular situation. For instance, during Gilbert, I remember I was in my room reading. My father was running from room to room, making sure we were all safe, and he walked into my room. I was sitting on the bed calmly reading. <laughs> he asked me if everything was okay, and I said yes. No water was coming in, but the wind keeps moving the louvers. You remember those old slatted wooden louver windows that houses in Jamaica yes. had? Those were mm -hmm. in my room. So my mother oh. asked me, she says, how can you be so calm? And I just showed her my book and I said, Mom, it's really a, it's a really good book. I can't remember what it was now, but I do remember I read six books during Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How about you doing your, your, your formative schooling years? How, how did you foster this love for writing? English literature and history were always my favorite subjects in school. So I'd always loved the written word. Um, like reading, writing was a way for me to work out my feelings and come to terms with them. I didn't really find okay. my writing voice until I hit my 50s. But I think that's because mm -hmm. I'd finally settled into life's routine as a wife, daughter, aunt, woman, mm -hmm. I was comfortable enough in my own skin to give my voice an audience. 
wonderful. And did you give it a voice in a song, a novel? Just looking at the cover, it, it invites you to get in here. Give us the backstory of how you chose that uh, scenery as a cover. Just paint it in, in our audience's mind. It's it's a, actually it's a very interesting story. The first publisher who read my book said that Jamaica was another character in the book. I'd never really thought of it in those terms, but my love for Jamaica, its beauty, its people, and what it can be definitely shown through in Redemption songs. So my actual publisher and I were going back and forth about covers, and I hated everything they sent me. My husband mm. saw my frustration, and he found this picture that he'd taken from the balcony of my parents' home in Treasure Beach, and it was perfect. Okay. My husband has a great eye. As you know, the reef <laughs> is symbolic in redemption songs, and many readers have commented to me that they have recognized the symbolism of the cover, so I knew then it was the perfect choice. That's wonderful. It, it is. It's a powerful, vivid, vibrant uh, cover. Um, you say Thank your you. husband was a Catholic. You really realized that this fine work. Tell us a little about the, what happened here. Well, not only did he take the picture for the cover, but he's my sounding board. He knows me better than anyone else in the world. For 24 years and counting, it's just been the two of us. Then in the span mm -hmm. of four years, I lost my uncle, my father, and my aunt, and I felt my ties mm. to Jamaica slipping away. That frightened me. Then a nightmare mm. started recurring. I had it for about two months straight, in which my husband died. And I woke him up one night because I was so terrified and not sure how I would handle the loss of him. He comforted me as he always does, and then he suggested that I write it down, you know, write down what I felt in the nightmare, kind of get it off my subconscious. And the result was yes. the first chapter of Redemption Songs. Wonderful. Wow. So that's to give people an overview. This is like a historical novel, kind of written in a time in the 80s and the, 90s and the 70s. What particularly, you know, apart from your husband's uh, situation, um, what particularly drove your theme of this polarity of redemption expression? Well, I grew up in Jamaica during a turbulent time in Jamaica's history. The economy was in a free fall. Communism and capitalism battled for supremacy by destabilizing mm -hmm. the government, encouraging violence, exerting tactical financial control, the remnants of which we're still feeling today. The IMF right. came in as Jamaica's fiscal survivor, but in reality, um, they turned out to be the new colonizer, taking what it could and leaving the scraps for us to live off of. Have you ever noticed that every developing nation who has gotten help from the IMF is still a developing nation 20 and 30 years after yeah. their intervention? The fact is every country has to build its own future, utilizing its own resources, number one of which is the innovation and creativeness of its people. That's well said, Linda. You gave humanity to these major characters with this redemption message um, that you wanted to communicate. Um, take us through some of the, your thinking there of, of the characters that you developed in this work? 
Well, redemption songs has a lot of twists and turns, so it's difficult to answer that question without giving away a lot of the book. Suffice okay. to say, the book, convey, the book does convey a deeper message of love, loss, and redemption. Every major character in the, bo- in the book reaches a point of redemption, and that was very important to me. I'm a firm believer in the fact that you cannot know where you're going until you know and reconcile where you have come from. Right. So there's certain, you look at the human condition and you're able to take them through the twists and turns of the, and the hurdles of human development and emotional expression of that, and you capture that in writing in these characters. I tried to, yes. I really did. I think you did. (laughs) The majority of the audience that will be listening in are, you know, in the diaspora. And they have a sense of nostalgia and homecoming. And as you mentioned, those are the two giant emotions that drives and lives within our hearts. How can this book nurture those feelings? Well, there are as many Jamaicans, West Indians in fact, living outside of our island home as on it. That's a profound statement, and it cannot be said for any other diaspora. This book, as do many other books I've read about Jamaica and other islands, connect us to something that reminds us of home. What is truly sad is that there's no one really nurturing this market and working with West Indian writers to make our voices heard. There's no West Indian literary agent. There's no West Indian publisher that focuses on fictional writing in the diaspora. We West Indians, Mm. we're born storytellers. That's a part of our rich heritage and something that should be shared with the world. But no one has truly given us a voice by tapping into this very viable and valuable market. So you you pioneered the effort that you did here. You just were motivated with the support of a loving husband, was able to to get enough gumption, as we'd say, to to deliver such a fine piece of literature. Thank you, thank you. That is exactly right, and I appreciate that comment. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is great, Linda. So I know people are going to be, you know, it, as I said, it's full of. It'll t- it's like being on a roller coaster at times, right? With the twists and turns and the human um, emotion that's involved. I know people would like, as they get ready to get a hold of their fall reading, they you need to get a copy of this fine work. Redemption songs, plural songs. How can people get to, uh, uh, this fine um, work, Linda? It's available on bookshop.org, which is a virtual bookshop that was set up to help support local and independent bookstores hit by the closures mm-hmm. due to the pandemic. It's also mm-hmm. available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, and all major book retailers. The 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 storyline is so mature and and well developed that I think it could be repurposed in other mediums. It could be in a play or in a movie. Do you have any thoughts of repurposing this work? From your mouth to God's ears, my friend. Um, I've sent it <laughs> to a few people. Yeah. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Quibi. All these streaming networks are desperate for content, and they're turning to books. 
Idris Elba's yeah. production company, Green, Doors, Green Door Pictures, just made a movie for Netflix called Yardies. So maybe I'll hear okay. from him one day. Or even a Jamaican production house. Wouldn't that be lovely? That would be that's, well, that would be ideal. In the, that would be great. It seems like your your well has not run dry for you. What can we expect from your pen in the future? Well, I yes, just finished my second book. I've just finished my okay. second book, French Estate, which is based in the late 1700s and early 1800s in Jamaica. It's a retelling of our colonial history and what could have been if the powers that be had taken the path less traveled and changed the course of history for the better. I also have a third book in the works called I Am Cuba, which is a fictional telling of a deep, dark secret that Fidel Castro kept from the world until one woman had the courage to step up and speak out. That's all I'm going to say about that one for now. <laughs> wow. You know to slay that hook, boy. You got me. You got me, Linda. This is great. Boy, and, um, you've developed this. You've always had this, and you, you're, the harvest of your all that development is really coming to fruit right now. So thank you for, you know, for expressing this redemption song. We look forward to your other two works that are forthcoming to continue to um, raise our um, profile, give folks new insight into the Jamaica psyche and the like. So thank you for well, Thank you, Janice, and thank you, Chris, for this incredible opportunity to connect with my roots. You're providing a treasured service to the diaspora. We all need a connection to our source of strength and community during these times. So I want you guys to keep up the good work because it's necessary and it's valuable and it's something that we need right now. Yeah. And yeah, so, Linda, we have some we, fun yeah, one more thing for you, Linda. Before, before Linda goes, she shares a lot of wisdom for us. Is there any final word of wisdom you have um, you know, for the diaspora in this time of COVID? Or, you know, how do you... Um, use or, or time wide like you have and, and express yourself in such a great and reliable manner? Well, even though we as Jamaicans have chosen to live elsewhere and built a life far from her shores, Jamaica will always hold our navel string. That's something to be proud of. As a diaspora, we have many gifts to share with the world, especially our writing, our stories. We have all heard those drums beat deep within our soul. That's what brings us together seeking each other out in cities, towns, and countries where we have spread our wings to fly to. We come together in the shared privilege of being born Jamaican with a unique culture and a unique history. We come together to rejoice that we're all Jamaican by birth, but proud Jamaicans by choice. And during difficult times, that's something that we need to hold on to and cherish and take our strength from. Wow. Thank you for giving voice to your pen. Thank you. Linda, we do have some fun trivia facts, questions for you. Okay. So, Lorna Goodison or Anthony Winkler? Wow. Okay. Um, That's a tough one. one. That's a tough one. Jamaica's Poet Laureate or one of Jamaica's most gifted and internationally successful writers. 
Mm-hmm. Let's put it this way. I wish I had Miss Goodison's talent and Mr. Winkler's success. Okay. Byron Lee or the third world? Wow, Janice, another tough one. Um, these are two different genres of music, another testament to Jamaica's diversity and talent. Uh, when I want to lime, definitely Byron Lee. When I want to meditate and commune with my roots, third world. Okay. And Bula or Toto? Finally, an easy one. Coconut <laughs> cake and me go back a long way. Still my all-time favorite cake. Okay. So, to learn more about Jamaican Diaspora, visit JamaicanDiaspora.com. To learn more about Chris Daly, visit Digital, the number two grow, so that's Digital to Grow. And to learn about Linda Edwards, visit LindaEdwards.com. Linda, we really appreciate you spending some time with us. Bye now. Bye. Bye.